Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is James. I work with the youth here at Element. Uh, I'd love to meet you and meet your students, and I could give you and your students some more information on what we have planned for the next couple months um, in uh, youth group here. Uh, we do meet Thursday nights at 6.30. This Thursday night, 6.30. Bring your students. Drop them off. It'd be awesome. Uh, uh, um, there are uh, Bibles in the back. <laughs> there are. I'm not used to this. I'm used to youth group. Uh, there are Bibles in the back and then sermon notes on all the communion tables. Also, if you have a cool phone, uh, there is a version for all the sermon notes and verses are on that. I don't have a f- cool phone, um, but I've heard that the app is super cool. Someone was using it today, and they're like, man, that's, that's awesome. Is that new? And I was like, not really. Maybe you should come to church more. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, all right. Uh, if you guys will stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Uh, this is Psalms uh, 22. Uh, your sermon notes will say chapter 28, but it's actually chapter 22, uh, verse 28. Uh, For dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over all the nations. All the rich of the earth, earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. You guys pray with me. Uh, God, we, we thank you for today. We, we come before you and worship God. And, and uh, we thank you for providing for us, for, for giving us life, God, for giving us a reason to celebrate. And, and I pray that, that we would be a people who, who long to celebrate and who long to celebrate the things that you have done in our lives. So that you would be with us here today, God, and we would walk out of these doors knowing a little bit more about you and a little bit more about ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so uh, today I hope to have some fun. Uh, Esther ends on kind of a fun note. It ends on celebration. Uh, there's still one more week of Esther. Next week, uh, Aaron will wrap up Esther. Uh, right now where we're at is uh, last week we saw that, uh, that an issue was, de- uh, was sent out that the Jews are to defend themselves. Is that there was an issue that was sent out, a decree that was sent out, that the Jews are to be destroyed this day. Another one went out saying, Jews, defend yourselves. The Jews defended themselves. They did a little bit more than just defend themselves. They actually went on the offensive and actually started attacking a little bit. And so this is where we're at now in Esther chapter 9, verse 18. If you have your Bible, Esther chapter 9, your phones, Esther 9, uh, starting in 18. The Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and the 14th, and then on the 15th. They rested and made it a day of feasting and of joy. This is why rural Jews, those living in villages, observed the 14th of the month of Adar as a day of joy and of feasting, a day of giving presents to each other. Mordecai recorded these events and sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and the 15th days in the month of Adar, as a time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, as a month where their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and of joy, giving presents of food to one another and and gifts to the poor. 
So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. Uh, I love this because what Mordecai says is he goes, everyone, we are not dead. So let's have a party. And everyone's like, I hear that. Let's have a party. Uh, he continues in, in verse 24. For Haman, son of Hamadithia, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and cast the Purim, that is, the lot, for their ruin and destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back on his own head and he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, these days were called Purim, from the word Pur, because everything that was written in this letter and because what they had seen and what had happened to them, the Jews took it upon themselves to establish custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed at the appointed time. Huge chunk of verse. Oh, what I really want to talk about is verse 27, how the Jews took it upon themselves to establish a custom that they and their descendants should without fail observe these two days every year, that their children and their children's children and those children will celebrate these days. So they marked it on their calendars. They started selling decorations for it three months in advance, like Christmas. Uh, it got a little out of hand, but, but everyone loved it. I mean, reading through the Bible, you see that the people of God liked to celebrate. They enjoyed a party. As you go through the Old Testament, you don't have to look very far to see people at a party. You see people who are, who are at different feasts, who are at different celebrations and weddings and parties and bridal showers and baby showers and all these different celebrations. Uh, open your Bibles to Leviticus 23. This is a, a great chapter because this is God telling his people that every once in a while you need to drop what you are doing and remember me, God, and celebrate and have a party, loosen up a bit, maybe even get a little crazy. God goes, work is hard. I made it that way. Now take a break. I mean, that's the whole purpose of Sabbath is to take a day and rest. And God goes beyond that. Sometimes you need more than just one day. So Leviticus 23, it's starting in verse 39. So the beginning, so beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of rest. He goes, take a day off, take, take a day, and just relax. It says, forget work, get your head out of work, get it to where it should be, get it to with your friends and your family and this event that is about to happen. Actually, in Exodus, he talks about that if you are going to do any work this day, it is work that is done for this festival that is about to be. So you work and cook food or relax. Uh, and the eighth day is also a day of rest. He goes, you just spent six straight days at a party relax take this day you got work in the morning uh maybe sober up a little bit uh relax uh verse 40 on the day uh on the first day you are to take choice fruit from the trees palm fronds leafy branches and poplars and and rejoice before the lord your god for seven days celebrate this as a festival to the lord for seven days each year this is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come celebrate it in the seventh month 
You see, this feast was held for praising God that God has provided for them. Praise God because He sent rain, because He made crops grow. Praise God because He gave us food, because He has saved us, and because He is good to us. This is a reoccurring theme throughout so many celebrations in the Bible. So with your Bibles at Leviticus 23, uh, you don't have to read any of the actual verses, but take a look at the titles of the different sections in that chapter. You, you, you'll see things like, like Feast of the Passover and Unleavened Bread, Feast of the First Fruits, Pentecost, and, and New Year's Festival. In one chapter, God is planning four different parties for His people. I mean, God takes celebrations very serious. The first one, Passover or Unleavened Bread. Uh, the reason behind the Passover comes from the ten plagues in Egypt. Uh, you can read all about this in Exodus chapter 12. I'll give you a brief overview. Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, let the Israelites go. They are God's people. Pharaoh says no. Uh, God says, I'm going to send an angel of death. Uh, uh, Moses, tell your people, tell the Israelites to kill a lamb, smear its blood across your doorposts, and this angel will pass over their houses. Uh, so that happens. It doesn't pass over Pharaoh's house. Uh, this angel of death is instructed to kill the firstborn, kills Pharaoh's son. This breaks Pharaoh. The Israelites go free, and God provided freedom for his people. A lot more detail in Exodus 12. Uh, but Exodus uh, 23 says uh, in verse 15, Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days, and eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Abib. Uh, for that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. God says, this is the food that you will eat. You'll eat unleavened bread. Don't cook bread with yeast. And it's because oftentimes in this culture and in this time, um, yeast was viewed as a foreign substance that comes into bread and changes it. And so there was a huge symbolism with sin, how sin comes into our life and changes us from what God made us to be. And so he said, cook without yeast so that there is God's symbolism in your food. So when they had this feast, they'd get together and they'd tell stories of God and what he did in their life. And they'd tell stories about the food. Uh, Now, this is not saying uh, go to Amazon.com and buy a Jesus-shaped cake pan, uh, make a Jesus-shaped cake, invite your neighbors over and be like, here's some Jesus-shaped cake. Let me tell you about Jesus. Uh, you don't have to do that. Don't be creepy with it. Um, <laughs> what it is saying is saying that pass down the importance of this day and of this week and of this month to your family and to your friends. Uh, I love this verse. It's Exodus twenty three eighteen. The fat of my festival offerings is not to be kept until morning. He says, always eat the best of the best. You will remember that God saved the people from Egypt with the best cuts of food. Don't, don't even put it in your refrigerator if there's extras. Uh, to me, this says, uh, when people come over to your house, don't feed them day-old little Caesars. Uh, people don't like day-old little Caesars. I'm learning more and more that if you're over the age of 25, you don't like fresh little Caesars. <laughs> Uh, if there is such a thing as fresh little Caesars. Uh, But he's saying, when you have a celebration, make good food. This is not a day for you to get rid of your leftovers. Uh, 
he goes on, he talks about uh, the, the first fruits. This is in Leviticus 23. Uh, and first fruits, it wasn't as much of a party as Passover. I view Passover much like the 4th of July. You get friends and family and people you don't even know that good together. You celebrate, there's food, there's drinks. You're gathered around something that is kind of dangerous. And even if it's not dangerous and there's not fireworks that go in the air, you light a sparkler or a, or a fountain and you jump over it and it's awesome. Uh, that is kind of what it happens. Uh, and that's kind of what Passover was like. And first fruits is more like a like an intimate family Thanksgiving, where you invite your close family, the closest of friends, come over. And, and this is more of a time of reflection. It's it's time to reflect on what God has given you, right? A huge part of of first fruits was sacrifice. Uh, and, and verse ten. Leviticus 23, uh, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you and you reap its harvest, uh, bring to the priest the sheaf of the, of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. Uh, on the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord, a lamb, a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made to the Lord by fire, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering is a quarter of a hen of wine. He goes, offer and remember what God has given you, that God has provided for you. Uh, this would be kind of like today. If, uh, if this Christmas, if you got a Christmas bonus, okay? Christmas bonuses are awesome. Uh, but you get a Christmas bonus, and instead of going... What can I buy? You know, do I really want an iPad? Is this enough? You know, what can I get with this? You first take your Christmas bonus and go, without God, I would not have this job. Without God, I would not have this Christmas bonus. Here, and you come and you tithe of that money. And you give it back to God. You give a portion back to Him of what's already His. Uh, that is what this day was about. It's about reflecting uh, about what God has done. Uh, next, he talks about Pentecost. And Pentecost is also a feast of weeks. And that happens 50 days after the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I, I was thinking about it as I was reading this uh, over and over and reading uh, Leviticus 23. And I was like, you know what? It would be awesome to live in this culture. I mean, just two months ago, you went to your boss and you said... Uh, I need uh, eight days off work. And he goes, oh, are you guys going on vacation, family vacation? And you go, not exactly. Uh, I'm going to have a huge party for six days straight. And he goes, you know what? Have a great time. Maybe I'll stop by. And you go, I don't really know if I want you coming. But uh, sh sure, awesome. And, and then two months later, 50 days later, you go back and you say, yeah, um, I'm going to need another eight days off <laughs> having another party. <laughs> it would just be awesome. So uh, a feast of weeks, it, it was sometimes thought uh, by, onlookers, by onlookers to be an ungodly pagan celebration. They thought it was a bunch of people gathered around worshiping nature, like a bunch of hippies gathered around a willow tree singing Kumbaya. It, <laughs> That's kind of what they thought it was. But, but this, it was a celebration of nature, but it wasn't 
hippies gathered around singing songs to plants. Uh, this was uh, them being thankful to God for, for nature, for crops, for food, for wine. This was a celebration of creation, that God has made everything around us, and he is good for making this. Uh, Psalms 104, starting in 14. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for the man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth wine that gladdens the hearts of man and oil to make his face shine and bread that sustains his heart. Uh, I envision this feast, this festival, to be something like farmer's market. And, and not the farmer's market and orchid in the CVS parking lot that's for actual farmers, uh, but the farmer's market that's actually fun in San Luis. Uh, this is this is a this is a great thing, and, and the weird thing about farmers is never will you see a place where so many people are gathered around food that's actually good for them and smiling. I mean, <laughs> if you've never been to the farmers market in San Luis, I highly recommend you go. It, it is really an experience. I mean, it's huge. You get people of all ages, of all different walks of life, coming around, gathered around vegetables having a good time. I mean, they're shopping, they're window shopping, they're uh, having a good time, having conversation, there's live music in the background. It, it's great. It, it's so big that they shut down one of the main streets in San Luis so that people can have a celebration. This is kind of how I feel that, that this would be like. That the Feast of Weeks would be like this gathered around what God has just provided. You, you got your friends there and you got good food and you got the smell of Moe's barbecue filling the air. You know, it's just fantastic. Uh, and and you, you go to something like this and you can't help but take a second and thank God for providing. And you go, this is awesome. Thank you. You see, the people of God, they knew how to have a good time. You look at Jesus, and he went to lots of different parties. You look at Luke uh, Luke 2 and John 2, 5 and 7. He is either going to or coming from or at parties. I mean, Jesus goes to big feasts and small get-togethers. He goes to dinners. He goes to weddings. He liked to celebrate. He knew how to party. He made a great wine. John 2, 9. He surrounded himself with people who liked to have a good time. Luke 19. He enjoyed getting to know people. And just so we know, when I say good time, I do not mean going to a bar, getting wasted, and picking up on some booty call. Uh, I mean having a good time and getting together with friends and with family and with loved ones and eating good food and having good drink and getting to know people. You see, he celebrates so much, and he describes the kingdom of heaven as a giant feast. Matthew 8.11 I say to you that many will come from east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He says, do you want a glimpse of heaven? Throw a party. Eat, drink, be merry. Uh, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons that he didn't hang out with the religious people of that day is because they didn't know how to have fun. They, they never relaxed. They didn't want to celebrate. They could not throw a good party. And, and that should not be us. 
the people of God should know how to throw a good party because he's given us so much to celebrate for. Anyways, back in Esther, okay? Esther chapter 9. I'm in verse 28. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation, by every family, in every providence, in every city. And these days of Purim should never cease to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of them die out among their descendants. Uh, So Purim is still celebrated today. Uh, Purim 2010 has passed, but Purim 2011 will be March 20th and 21st. Uh, Verse 29. So Queen Esther, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm his second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in 127 provinces in the kingdom of Xerxes, words of goodwill and assurance to establish these days of Purim at their designated times, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them, and as they had established for themselves and their descendants in regard to their times of fasting and of lamentation. Esther's decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, and it was written down in their records. Uh, Essentially, what he is saying there is, Mordecai says, everyone party. Esther sends another letter out saying, yes, now let's get some royalty behind this. Uh, So looking through the Bible, you can see how how the people of God turned feasting into a chance to grow relationships, into a chance to find peace, into a time of remembrance, and into a time of worship. You see how they threw a party, how they had food and drinks and family and friends, and they talked about God and they told stories of Him saving them and how He has changed their life. Uh, For some reason, I can't get this image out of my head, is, is a bunch of little kids gathered around someone's grandpa as he just tells the most elaborated story ever, but the kids, they just love it. As the adults and different kids are are, are talking and are playing, I mean, they talk about so much, about how God continues to save them, how he has provided. They take a week off and encourage each other. They take this week to reconnect with God. You know, so many times, I think that we believe to reconnect with God that we have to go alone, that we have to, you know, leave the world and and leave everything and take a day and connect with God and just be alone, which sometimes uh, that is true. Sometimes that needs to happen. But also sometimes we need to take that time when we feel distant from God and, and connect with his people. And live a life with God in community, connected with with other believers, connected with people and with God. And and what better way than through throwing a party? And and so I have some questions for you guys that I just want you to think about. Uh, You don't have to raise your hand. Someone last service uh, accidentally raised their hand. They were taking their hand and putting it around their wife. And I'm like, you're not supposed to raise your hand. It was really. It was actually really funny. Uh, so, anyways, uh, how do you celebrate? You know, do you celebrate? Is the extent of your celebrating uh, coming to church on Sunday, listening to someone speak for 25, 30 minutes, clapping, hopefully on time, uh, you know, stuffing your face with whatever food is in the back, drinking some coffee, engaging in some light chit chat, and then going home? Or do you celebrate biblically? And do you do it big? 
and get together with people and have a real feast, some sort of deliciously cooked animal with all kinds of side dishes and desserts and engage in a real conversation and then 20 minutes later come back to the dessert table and have a round two at the dessert table and then have more, have a true connection with someone. You see, we as a church, we try and organize these, these parties, these festivals, these feasts uh, a couple times a year. We just had one uh, last week. Um, but honestly, uh, a, a good party is something that you could plan. Uh, a good time of worship is something that, that you could plan. And then if you do plan one of these, uh, Aaron and I would love to be invited. So, uh, uh, when you're at these feasts, when you're at these celebrations, what do you talk about? Is it how life has got you down, how your kids are driving you crazy, or how you can't get a girlfriend no matter how much you try, or how life would just be so much easier if God lets you win the lotto? <laughs> oh, duh, your life would be easier if you won the lotto, not having to work and just obtaining money. Uh, but that's a, that's a pointless conversation. And see, what we should be talking about is about how God has provided, about what He is doing in your life and in the life of your kids. What, what he has rescued you from, how your life looks now because of him, how he has changed you and continues to change you. See, the people of God should be a people of celebration, a people who know how to f have fun, a people who take time and relax, who celebrate with one another because we have so much to celebrate. The fact that God is real, the fact that he forgives, that he saves, that he loves, that he provides. I mean, so many reasons to worship God. Why not worship him through feasting? It's easy to be busy. It's easy to get wrapped up in work and in kids and in friends to forget to take time to celebrate. It's easy to be consumed with the hurries and the worries of life. And when that happens, we kind of forget why we are here. We need to take a day or two and remember why we are here, to worship God. So honestly, uh, celebrating is some serious business. So go out, uh, buy a tri-tip, invite some people over to your house, uh, have a party. Uh, I am not telling you to throw a party for no reason. I'm telling you to throw a party for the best reason, worshiping God. Uh, here's a verse for you. Uh, I highly recommend you, you memorize this one so that when people ask you why you're celebrating, you can tell them this verse. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.7 Go, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a heart full of joy, for it is now that God favors what you do. He goes, go and celebrate, because celebration is not something that a believer can just ignore. I mean, the day that, that Jesus was taken away uh, to be crucified, he got together with those who are closest to him, those, those guys that he's been traveling around for three years, and he goes, we're going to have a celebration. We are going to eat. We are going to feast this night. And, and they didn't really know why they were celebrating, but, but Jesus knew. And he goes, today is a day of celebration because the entire world is about to be shown what true love is. That is a day of celebration. And then when he comes back from the grave, they have another couple of little parties, and then they have a huge party, invite over 500 people. 
you know, as I said before, the, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like a giant feast, a celebration. You see how the highest point of all of history is a giant party put on by God. And we call this the wedding supper of the Lamb. And as believers, you are all invited to it. You are invited to the greatest party you could ever imagine because God is good and because He loves you. Now, celebration is one of the reasons that we come to communion every week. We come and we celebrate Jesus. And we see how at communion all these feasts are brought back to Him. See how the Passover that Jesus is the Lamb, the blood that was shed for us so that we may live. At Pentecost, how He sent His Spirit to us. The first fruits, how, how He rose from the dead first. And how one day we will all rise. And at Feast of Weeks, how we are gathered together by His blood, united as one. You see how He paid our price. And we come and we break the cracker, which represents His body. And we dip it in the wine of the grape juice, which represents His blood. As a way of saying, God, thank you. Thank you for providing reasons to celebrate. Thank you for coming and dying for me. We go, God, I have messed up. I have failed you this week, and I, and I am sorry. And then we rejoice in his forgiveness. The band's going to come up, and they're uh, going to sing songs, and we are going to sing songs and sing of his power and of his glory and of the fact that he comes and saves, and we celebrate God through music. Uh, we worship God through uh, tithing and offering. There are offering boxes in the sides and in the back, as Patty said, and, and this is a way just like first fruits where where we give of what god has already given us we say thank you for providing here is a portion back of what is already yours and then we celebrate god and we worship god through through prayer there's going to be uh elders or deacons in the back and then they'll be in the front after service if you feel uncomfortable walking back there uh, during service and and if you are having uh, trouble finding a reason to celebrate Go and talk with them. Go and pray with them. If there's something that you need to get off your chest, go, go pray with them. That's, they would love to pray with you. And then lastly, we celebrate God uh, through fellowship. And there are snacks in the back, and, and there's some drinks back there. And go back there and, and talk with some people and get to know some people and tell stories of what God has done in your life. And, and then ask them out to lunch and go get to know someone over a real meal. You guys pray with me. Uh, uh, God, we thank you for, for coming and for providing, for, for, for giving us what we have. Uh, I pray that, that we would be those who long to give it back to you, that we would long to celebrate you and who you are and the things that you have done for us. God, I pray that, that we would be a people who know how to celebrate as you celebrated. We would follow in your footsteps and that we would grow closer to you and that we would grow closer to others through this celebration, through this feasting. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.